the Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal couldn't hold on to two different lead during Sunday's North London derby, as Young Men's Sons brace secured a point for Tottenham at the Emirates. Manchester United got back on track with a 1-0 win at Burnley, but Chelsea's woes continued as they lost their third game of the season on Sunday, as Aston Villa walked out 1-0 winners at the bridge. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 424. There's only one place to start this week, Javier. Uh, the game of the weekend that we uh, previewed a little bit last week, uh, the North London Derby that I just mentioned. How are we feeling after that one? Not the result you uh, probably wanted, uh, but the result you got. Uh, let's dive straight into it, because there's tons to talk about today. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was probably the fair result in the end. Um, I thought that we kind of had an off day a little bit um, in terms of creating chances and moving the ball. And a lot of that is credit to Tottenham because they were pressing us well pretty much the entire game. Like you said um, in previous pods, they had that Kulishevsky, Son, Brennan Johnson, uh, Madison front four, and they were just pressing us the whole time. Very, very impressive press with those four on the pitch. And, it's just, it's nothing like Tottenham's ever had before, right? It's been eight, nine years of Harry Kane up top. Kane isn't like the best presser. Like, you're, you're not, he's not really going to be getting you that many goals. That's not his game. He was dropped back into midfield a lot, get you long balls, win you balls up the field. Pressing I'm sorry, wasn't. Did you say Kane's not going to get you many goals? No, pressing. Like goals, he's not going to be specific to pressing. Yeah, okay, to pressing, sure. he's not going to like he's not going to like nip the ball from the goalkeeper's foot and like score. That's not that's just not his game, is what I was saying. So it, that like element to Tottenham is a completely different game that we had to adapt to, and we didn't do that well. I think um, it wasn't that they were like getting us on the press; it's that you know we just. We couldn't come up with many meaningful chances, and that that's a lot of credit to them. I thought they were really good on the day, probably deserved a point. Um, and I thought for us, it was really unlucky. You know, with Declan Rice had to go off at halftime, back injury. Um, you know, they're saying it's not too serious, so I'd rather have him taken off as a precaution than to not have him for the city game in two weeks here. So, you know, not happy about that, but a draw isn't the worst result. Um, you know, I thought our back line was the best. Were the best performers on the pitch. It was just an off day from our from our front line and our midfield. I thought Odegaard had an off day. Uh, I thought Sokka was had an off day. Inketia was awful. Um, Gabriel Jesus was probably our, our best attacker, and he got taken off first, which not didn't like that decision. I thought Artessa made some, you know, questionable decisions. You know, started Fabio Vieira in this game. He kind of got out muscled. Uh, you know, outplayed a little bit in that first half. And then brings on Jorginho, who, which was a force substitution, but then and Kai Havertz. Well, we talk about him almost every pod, Alex, but you know he was fairly ineffective again. You know, didn't didn't necessarily you know produce what we wanted in this game, which would have been uh, you know uh, some incisiveness. He was just kind of a passenger. Um, I think until you know Smith Rowe and, and Nelson came on, they brought more energy to the team, but. I wasn't impressed with with Kai's 45 minutes here. And I think Arteta thinks of him as like a secret weapon that he brings in to like change the game and to do things or to like start and complete. It's not working right now. 
And whether it's that we can't accommodate him or he or he's not, you know, learning enough the, the, the tactics, it's just it's it's it, I think it was detrimental for him to be on the pitch um, so early in the game. I think we could have brought on someone like Smith Rowe and, and it would have it would have been a much more positive um, influence on the game than or even, you know, Reese Nelson. It's just yeah, it, it's uh but I thought once Kai Havertz started playing with all of these like better players for Arsenal that like you guys would get the best out of him. What happened to that, Javier? Why isn't well, that? Well, it takes happening? time, Alex. We're still in September. It's only been it's only okay. been a month, a couple of months. You know, give it some time. Give it some time. I just think okay. it's uh it's being forced too much again, especially in this big of a game. Um, yeah, well, I don't you guys know. didn't really have any other option. You know, I, I think the the obvious one to start this game. Um, but I guess he ended up being injured. Was the Leandro Trossard? I was like shocked to see Jesus and Inketia starting. Yeah, that was Je- also very uh, on the wing. Very unfortunate as well for that Trossard injury. He's going to be out. You know, they're saying also short term should be back for the City game. So hopefully we get them back. Uh, we've got Bournemouth in between. You know, I don't think that Bournemouth away is not going to be easy. So we're going to need Inketia one more one more game here. Do you think there's another possible option to you know fix this Arsenal attack? Because I, I, there are starting to be, uh, you know, whispers around the league that you know Arsenal aren't as ruthless and efficient with their chances as they seemed to be last season. Maybe Reese Nelson should be starting out on that wing, and Jesus is moved back into a central position. I'm just throwing things out here because I agree with you that Inketia was, you know, not up to the standard and frankly was extremely lucky to be even on the field by the end of that game. You know, we're going to get to Chelsea in a little bit, but if Malo Gusto is getting a red card uh, for his challenge on Digne, then how the hell did Inketia get away with a red card on uh, Vicario, Tottenham's goalkeeper, for sliding in on him like a full second late? Yeah, not only that, I mean, he, not only should he, should he have probably been sent off for that, but... He was just awful the whole game. I don't know how he stayed yeah. on the pitch. And, and again, this is just Arteta's inexperience. It's why I don't think we're going to win the league. It's because but things like this, this... Lack of options as well. Like, you, you do have injuries. Like, the only other options are, you know, Smith Rowe, who's barely played. And yeah, I mean, Martinelli and, Martinelli and Trossard are, are, are much better wingers to be playing, and they're both hurt right now, so... Yeah, and we say the wingers because Nketiah, while he is a center forward, if he was taken to the bench, you could... You could put Jesus at center forward. Right, and, and so did uh, Martin Oliga had 15 goals for us, and Trossard also was in the double digits last year. Both of those players are a huge loss um, You know, in the front line, missing those players. So uh, I'm not I, I'm not like too worried about the attacking output not being good. I, th- I think it's going to come together. At some point, Kai will start producing. I think Smith-Rowe will have a, a, a bigger part to play um, this season. And Nelson as well. We're gonna, there's going to be a lot of games, and all these players are going to have to get sharp soon. It was the reason why these Carabao Cup games that are happening this midweek, you know, most people don't really care about the Carabao Cup, the secondary cup competition in England to the FA Cup. But for players like Smithrow, frankly, I think Jorginho fits into this uh, this category as well. These players aren't, like like you said, they're not sharp and they're not fit. So you get a case like you do for Tottenham's second equalizer, where Jorginho, very uncharacteristically, is you know caught. I don't even know what he was thinking. Just on the ball, gets it taken off of him by uh, I think it was Kulusevski. I can't exactly Madison. remember. Madison, that's it. And you know Madison slips in Son for for the equalizer. It's one of the the worst giveaways for a goal that I've ever seen Jorginho commit. And 
that's literally the main thing, like the only thing other than penalties that he excels at is retaining the ball and, you know, not giving it away in bad positions like that. And that's exactly what he did for for the equalizer right after Arsenal had taken the 2-1 lead. So you've got to get some of these players who you're going to need for this Bournemouth game on, uh, when is it? On, on Saturday, I think. You've got to get them some match fitness because Emile Smith-Rowe, when fit and, you know, sharp, he was your leading goal scorer, what, like two seasons ago? He, he was an excellent player two seasons ago. So the it's the time for excuses is completely up for Arsenal. Like this season, I know City are, you know, a huge favorite, but Arteta's got to improve like he has improved the players themselves. He's got to improve himself as a manager in terms of making the right substitutions, which he evidently did not uh, this weekend, and making sure that uh, as many players in his squad are, you know, fit and sharp as possible for cases like this when you when you get injuries. So uh, do you expect to see like a fully rotated team for this Carabao Cup game? I, I don't even know who they're playing. I'm just assuming it's someone We've got a lot beatable. of injuries. So I, I, I actually think players, we might see like Ethan and Winnery, uh, you know, Martin Lewis Skelly, some of the academy players playing in the game. Players like Cedric and Elneny as well. But like Smith Rowe, Jorginho, obviously. Like you, like you yeah, say, it'll Jorginho be a mix of those players, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you'll have Jorginho and El Nenny in midfield. We won't see, you know, any of the starters basically playing. Probably Kiwior and uh, Tomiyasu. You'll see players that that haven't been getting as much game time. Probably get some game time, but I don't think it. Uh, no, no one's going to care if we lose that game anyway. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to Tottenham a little bit. Do you think after this result, the the top four discussion for them is, you know legitimate because yeah i think a I, lot of teams I, are going to have a lot of trouble with them i agree very but, good you know, team that can be the case and they can still you know make mistakes and not get top four i i'm just starting to believe in them more because my prediction for this game was that you know Ange Postacoglu would go to the emirates trying to play you know his game attacking on the front foot trying to press and that would be their undoing. But they managed to overcome that and frustrate Arsenal enough playing, you know, Tottenham's, you know, style, that exact style, and still got the results. You know, they, you know, they've played with fire a little bit, going down twice and having a couple of bad mistakes from Romero for for both the goals. But they got there in the end, and they got their point in probably their second hardest fixture of their of their you know league season. So I, I'm starting to believe in them a little bit more, but I think a lot will be told by how they do in this uh, this home game with Liverpool this weekend, which is obviously going to be the uh, the barn burner of the, of this upcoming weekend. Um, so I'm on my way with them, but I, I'm not I'm not quite there. You know, I, I just feel like Madison usually gets an injury that keeps him out for a month or two. Son can be the same. Uh, it's not always going to be you know rosy for them. So. I don't know. Where, where are you with them? Are you, are you thinking that they're, you know, one of the favorites for top four now? No, I think they're contenders for it. I think with, you know, options like Richarlison off the bench, that's a good option. Manor Solomon as well. They both can, you know, change the game. Um, and that that front four that they have is lethal. So um, I liked how their midfielders play as well. Pape Sar and, and Basuma have a great understanding so far this season. It's been a, a workhorse of a midfield and 
just, you know, not even having to play Hoiberg, who's, you know, just kind of a basic destroyer. They could probably bring him on to shore up games as well. Um, so they have a lot of options. And the, uh, even even in like the fullback, you know, they have Davis on the bench, players like that, um, you know, experienced players, Dyer, who's been there a long time, but they're not getting played anymore like they were under previous coaches. Plus the Kuglu's got, you know, all new players. I thought Udogi. He was on a yellow the whole game pretty much early on, and he still had to go against Saka the whole game. And I know Saka was off. Uh, you know, he's a doubt for this. He's not going to play at all, and definitely in this next game, but he's a doubt for Bournemouth. So I think he was hurt during that game, um, and we're going to have to sit him and nurse him for till the Manchester City game. But yeah, I thought Udogi did really, really well. I thought he was just a monster out on that wing. Um, and for me, probably Tottenham's best player. Um, yeah, I thought Udogi was Tottenham's best player. I thought he was he was so good yeah. on the day. And I think uh, Pedro Porro also needs a little bit of praise as well because he he joined in January and for pretty much the rest of last season he was awful for them. But this season he's turned into a much more you know viable right back option, uh, especially you know in the, with his attacking output, and he's not as much of a liability defensively as he was last season. So. Yeah, they're, they're building something interesting at the very least there at Tottenham. But let's move on to uh, Chelsea and uh, our loss to Aston Villa on Sunday. Um, I was complaining about this uh, last week, but why the hell does this game, ha- like this Chelsea game, have to be on at the same time as the North London Derby and the Liverpool-West Ham game all Sunday at 9 a.m.? And I think there was one other game, like the Brighton-Bournemouth game was on then. Just, just the scheduling just makes zero I, sense to me. I bet it's because like, of like N- NFL games and stuff like that, and no, catering to American viewers. They they don't. I can't imagine they care too much about NFL games. You know, I, I'm sure it was just something to do with. You'd actually, be surprised. You know, I can't, I can't surprised. rationalize it at all. They they want to have the maximum viewers, and I bet a lot of the same people who watch uh, football, you know, footy in America, watch American football, and they probably want all the eyes to be on their game, tuned in. And then when the actual, you know, American football comes on, that those stations and broadcast networks, I, I've taken a class on this, Alex. They actually do uh, collaborate and all uh, make deals about when when these, you know, that's why these schedules a lot of times don't make sense. It's money. Money's the real reason, but it's, you know, it's 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 the maximum amount of money, it's maximum amount of eyes. Is what it is. I yeah. wanted to focus. I wanted to watch that like both games, you know, give my full attention to both. But, you know, obviously Chelsea were playing. So I had to endure that shit show where I'm sure uh, there's more more factors as well, you know, that the that the Premier League takes into account with the fixtures. But that's that's, you know, a lot of the reasons why the games are at certain times is because they have to. Yeah, well, uh, we ended up losing anyway, uh, 1-0 to Aston Villa, just like I said we would, Javier. You uh, did say that. I did I, uh, say that I don't know why I, th- I said, I we said you, gonna thought score. you were going to win, but uh, no more of that, Alex. No more predicting Chelsea to win or do anything good. Yeah, you know, if if I, the Chelsea fan, I'm telling you not to, you know, back Chelsea, just listen to me. I'm the one watching these games and putting myself through this misery uh, week in and week out. The red card to Malagusto did not help. It seemed like a legitimate red card by the, you know, the new rules that seem to be rolled out for this season where they don't really, referees don't really give a shit if the defender wins the ball first anymore. All they care about is, you know, was it dangerous in any way? And Gusto's studs landed on uh, Lucas Digne's ankle. That was around the 58th minute, I want to say. 
and we played the rest of the game. Uh, well, I guess only about 15 minutes later, uh, Ollie Watkins got his first goal of the season from a, from a counterattack that I thought Levi Colwell actually initially defended pretty well, but Robert Sanchez couldn't keep his legs closed for the, uh, for the second attempt. So that ended up being, uh, you know, one nil Villa and we, you know, barely really even threatened for the rest of the game. So it's getting pretty dire at Chelsea. Uh, I'm still, you know, not anywhere close to thinking that Pochettino needs to be sacked or anything like that, though you are starting to see those murmurs, uh, you know, around the, the interwebs. We're stuck with the guy. Like, where do you, where would you go from here, even if you did fire him? Like, what manager would want to come in to this situation with all I mean, of these you guys new have players? Bonnie, you, you'll, you'll be able to get some mercenary in. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we couldn't find anyone. I'm just saying we wouldn't be able to find anyone that would be able to make a difference because the, the one thing that any Chelsea manager would need to make a difference right now is time. We're obviously not getting Nkunku back anytime soon. I've, you know, complained and ranted and raved about losing him and what that's going to mean for our season. And, you know, he's not going to be back until probably January and no one else can score goals. We're basically praying that like Armando Broya comes back from this knee injury and, you know, magically just becomes, you know, an excellent player right off the bat from that ACL injury, which I, I doubt that's going to happen quickly. It's going to take time. And, you know, during that time, we, we just need to be thankful that there are like four teams or five teams in the Premier League that are definitely worse than us right now, because otherwise this would be relegation form. Do you? OK, Alex, I, I, I have a proposition to something I just thought of right now. Do you think that because some of these players have seven, eight year, nine year contracts that maybe they're not not necessarily like trying as hard, but they know that they're they're set, they're good. And do you think that that affects them in any way, shape or form? Like, do you think that any of these players, because they have that length of a contract, it's not traditional, that pretty much the whole Chelsea squad do you think that that could have an effect on their performance, especially like a young, a pretty young squad new to the Premier League? You know, these players are getting paid, you know, probably a lot more than all they were at their previous clubs, probably living better lifestyles, whatever. Do you think that that could have a long term effect on Chelsea? I, th- I, I just thought of it now. But I, I, well, no, long term, obviously it could be an effect. But from what I've seen so far this season, I, I don't think that's the issue. I, I think the issue is confidence for a lot of these players because, I mean, we saw it. And again, I'm going to proceed this by saying preseason does not matter at all. But during preseason, everyone was confident. Everyone was passing and moving. Everyone was upbeat. You know, Jackson and Mudrick and a bunch of players that we've since like loaned out, the young players who we've loaned out to to get uh, more opportunities. Everything seemed, you know, good and heading in the right direction. But, you know, as as soon as things started to go wrong in, I think I can, I can confidently say that West Ham game when Enzo Fernandez missed the penalty to make it 2-1 in the second game of the season, and then West Ham pulled away in the second half. Once things started to go wrong, you started to see the the youth and inexperience in this team. And it's 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 been crazy to watch Nicholas Jackson go from like one of the most energetic, promising like forwards in the team to, you know, frustrated and, 
you know, he's already reached five yellow cards, and all of those cards have been for dissent, for complaining to the referee or blocking a free kick when, it, like he did on uh, Sunday against Villa, that got him his red card. He's now going to be uh, postponed, or he's now going to be suspended for this Carabao Cup game tomorrow, which isn't the biggest deal, but it's it's not a great trend to have that he goes from you know scoring pretty freely and making excellent runs very frequently to. Now he's just a, like a, a bigger Timo Werner, you know. He's he's missed some really bad chances. Yeah, it, it's it's an issue of confidence that you know maybe we see that turned around in these next two games against Brighton in the Cup tomorrow and then Fulham away next Monday. But firing firing Pochettino, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if those results like don't pan out, I, I don't think that's going to fix it either. Well, I was going to say that's that's another problem with giving players eight year contracts is they know that they're going to they're good long term, like they're going to be at Chelsea. So what's the only thing that you can really change to change results? You can't really change the players that much. Not really in the short term. I mean, you can get deals done in the summer, but it's you know it's going to it's going to be complicated when Chelsea actually tries to sell these players down the road un- unless they try to sell them you know when they have two or three years left on their contract so i think that the players in their mind know that they're going to be there and that the coach is disposable that changes the whole like complexion of that's why i and it's a, so that's been I, the case that's been the case before bully that it's always been the case the players have more ma- like power than the managers for about 20 years now can I give you like, yeah, but I was going to say, can, let me give you an example of maybe that's not the case. Last season, Nottingham Forest, they were having terrible results to start the season. Um, Steve Cooper had, I think, maybe one or two years left on his deal. They renewed his contract for five years. And at that point, Nottingham Forest got a big you know boost in form and kind of built their way through the season. I think at that point, the players who wanted to be there, you know, it had to be evident. Like you have to be able to back a manager to to give him time, like you said, and for the players to not have in their mind, like ah, you know, this this might not be my manager. Like I don't have to try that hard for this guy because he might just be gone in a week or two, and we'll get someone else. And if the players think that they have that power, I think that changes completely the dynamic of like a football club. And I think that's that's kind of like a risk of giving players such long contracts, and why a lot of teams don't like doing that. They always try to give players the least length of years unless they really, really want to lock the players down. They're sure on the player, which. So, but here's the thing, though. You you can say that, you know, Chelsea are committing too long or too long of contracts to these players. You know, Enzo Fernandez is on an eight year deal. Uh, Him, I'm not worried about. But there's a lot of other ones. I'm just giving examples that there's a lot of players on, you know, seven, eight year deals. If for whatever reason those players, you know, something like that started to happen where their performance dropped. We've seen it plenty of times that, you know, the club would just loan them out to some other league, hope that they play well in that league. And either the club that we loan them to is convinced to buy them or some other club sees that they're playing well and comes in and buys them. And we've bought young enough players that they would still have resell uh, value. And, you know, you you wouldn't lose too much on a lot of those players. But, uh I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, bite at any of the the relegation banter that always you know it's been thrown around now for almost a, a calendar year at this point. Because there's like five teams so much worse than Chelsea. You know, Everton, Wolves, Burnley, Nottingham Forest. Sorry, Sheffield United, not Nottingham Forest. They beat us. They're probably better than us right now. And uh, Luton. 
And you just hope that like these these uh, glimpses of good form that Mikhailo Motric has shown in these last two games, I, I, I've I've seen him. He's getting better. He's had lovely, an lovely ball. through pass into Jackson. So, there. Jackson, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Jackson fucked it up, obviously. But uh, that game, and then he set up the best chance in the, the Bournemouth nil-nil before to uh, Connor Gallagher. So he's starting to come into his own a little bit. And maybe we can get Noni Madueke back on the, the right wing and inject some more pace and decisiveness into this team. Because it's not happening for Sterling at the moment. It's not happening for Nico Jackson. Yeah, so some things need to be changed. And uh, hopefully we see it soon. All right, I feel like we need to mention this Liverpool 3-1 win against West Ham. I'm guessing you didn't get to watch any of that game either because it was on at the same time as the North London derby. I had yeah, the, no, the Chelsea did, game on and the North London it. derby on. Um, I did watch the highlights. You know, kind of, it seemed like a routine win almost for uh, for Liverpool. Um, I know that West Ham had their chances in the first half, scored, scored a nice goal, but uh, lovely header from... <laughs> Five foot six Jared Bowen over Van Dyke. That was uh Or under Van Dyke in that case. Under Van Dyke, yeah. <laughs> you had to dive down to um, get to it. But yeah, no, just uh I think this Liverpool team is is the real deal. You know, we've we've been we've been touting them, you know, the the front three, Mohamed Salah, Darwin Nuez, and uh Luis Diaz, and then you know, players like Yota coming off the bench and scoring all the time, and this is just gonna be a lethal combination. You know, they might like we said before, they're going to concede goals. They're not that great defensively, but they're going to score boatloads of goals this season, and they're going to be you know really really good offensively. And it's going to be almost impossible to beat them at home. You know they still have that Anfield crowd, and this is a team that won. You know they still have players, you know key players to the that the best Liverpool team ever probably. Um, you know between I'm sure other other players you know other Liverpool fans might disagree, but you know a lot of a lot of Younger crowds say that the Liverpool team that won, you know, the Champions League and, and beat that City team uh, to the league is, is the best team that Liverpool's ever had. Um, and players like, you know, uh, Allison, Robertson, Trent, Van Dyke, um, you know, Mohamed Salah. Salah. Yeah, there's still there's still a lot of those players there. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of new faces too, but I think a lot of the players they've brought in are, are, are really good and have shown their medal already. Um, and they've even brought in a couple of young players like Curtis Jones. I know Joe Gomez isn't the best, but he's not a, not a bad, uh, you know, Academy player, Harvey Elliott, you know, they have, they have youth that they've incorporated in the side along with their signings and kept that spine. So I, I, I still see this team almost being a lock for top four. Um, and I, I'm glad that West Ham's cooled off a little bit as well. Cause you know, but still, man, I, I, West Ham are, are, are a good team as well. You know, they they were for a while, you know. That was their were, first loss away from home this season. Yeah, no, I was going to say they've exceeded all expectations. I think Edson Alvarez uh, has been a great, you know, him and Ward Prowse have completely changed the look of this team and, you know, almost amplified the midfield, even though they lost Declan Rice. So somehow they're, they're they have even more control in games now and they're, they had unbelievable threats on set pieces, so I think this team's going to be hard to beat. They haven't really even, you know, fully integrated uh, Mo Kudus into this team yet. The uh, the Ghanaian, yeah, no, uh, not forward at all. from that they signed from Ajax. Jared Bowen's been, you know, scoring so often that I guess they feel they don't really need him just yet. But I'm, I'm sure we'll see him uh, be more heavily involved as the season goes on, and that brings a completely different dimension uh, to their, you know, their wide threat that could. 
you know, really I see them improve this season, even when losing Declan Rice. So, yeah, that's uh, good for them. And um, do you think it's offensive of me to say, I'm, I'm going to say it with more of my chest than I did last time. Liverpool are the biggest threat to City in the league this season. I think I said it kind of sheepishly a few weeks ago when we were in the international break, kind of trailed off as I was saying it and threw it out there. But from what I've seen so far, when you can play badly and still I don't know if we're far enough in the season to say something like that, Alex. All right, well, I'm putting it out there. I mean, but we've also been playing badly so far this entire season, and we haven't really gotten off the the chopping blocks yet, and we're definitely going to improve and get better. We haven't lost yet either, not playing well. They haven't played that well either. I'm not ready to give Liverpool the mantle of number two to City yet from us. But you can say that, Alex. I'm not going to. I don't agree. I'll say it because of what you already mentioned. They actually have players in their squad that have, you know, you know, been there and done that before for that team. Hey, we did it last season. You didn't win anything last season. (laughs) So, yeah, let's move on. Uh, I feel like we have to mention this this drubbing that Newcastle put on Sheffield United because I uh, I saw their biggest away win ever. Yeah. And the first team to ever have eight different goal scorers in Premier League history. Uh, a, a crazy performance that uh, was kind of surprising because Sheffield, out of all of the promoted teams, we've mentioned how you know they've been the one that seems to have put up the most fight. You know they had they barely lost to City at home. Uh, they barely lost to Tottenham away. They were even you know winning in that game until injury time, and then they just come out and just you know fall to pieces against Newcastle from you know two or three set pieces. And from there, it was just, you know, bring on all the subs and let everyone else get in on the party. So uh, a huge win for Newcastle. The, the the consistent goal threat was something that, you know, we've mentioned about them. We, we know they're a solid defensive team. But for them to, you know, put eight past any team in the Premier League away from home, like you could maybe see it, you know, at St. James's Park. But to go to Sheffield and win 8-0 is uh, a big statement of intent from them and it's uh starting to make me regret taking them out of my top four uh predictions the the, the revised ones we did because you know we, we saw them go to milan in midweek last week and get a, a nil nil draw there and we'll uh you know get another solid litmus test for how good they are when psg come to uh, st james's park i think next week so exciting times for newcastle what other games do we want to hit on before we close out? We probably got time for one more since we got to fit in the fantasy segment. Won't be too long this week, Alex. Don't worry. But uh, I mean, we got to mention the uh, Manchester United one nil win over Burnley. I thought that was uh, good for them to get back into winning ways after not winning for the last three games. Clean sheet for Onana after having such a shaky game in the Champions League midweek. Um, you know that 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 oh that is something I forgot to mention in the Arsenal game was that our starters definitely showed a little bit more fatigue uh, in the last you know 20 minutes or so than at home that usually than usually would be I think they weren't used to playing the midweek games and that might take a little bit of adjustment something I hadn't really calculated before but that's definitely gonna, and Tottenham don't play midweek you know they finished eighth last wasn't an issue that. for Newcastle no it wasn't it wasn't yeah Brighton Brighton's another game that I want to mention you know the 3-1 win over Bournemouth. Brighton are in a great position right now. Um, I think they've won all their games except one, the, the one that they lost. Um, you know, they're still flying right now, banging in goals. 
looks like they can play different lineups every week and, and still get results. So it looks like they have, he has a deep squad as well. And, you know, I know that they lost in Europe in midweek, but he changed completely the team basically for the Premier League game. And I think, you know, DeSerbi is only going to improve from, you know, results like that. He, I think he's a great manager. Um, and this Brighton team is going to be hard to beat this season. It's going to be, you know, one of the big surprises. Villa's the other one that, you know, after not a, not a, like a very bad start, they've, uh, they've kind of turned it around. Um, and I've won now, I think four games on the trot. Um, so yeah, Villa, Villa as well, uh, you know, looking decent now rounding into form a little bit. And one last team I'll, I'll mention, I know it looks kind of just like a professional, you know, two nil win at home against uh, lesser opposition, but Manchester city scoring their two goals as early as they did having that insane Rodri red card that when he, you know, went head to head with uh, Morgan Gibbs white and put his hands around Gibbs white's neck right after halftime and, you know, forced city to play with 10 men for the rest of the game to see city just go so completely in the opposite direction from what we're used to. You know, bringing on like Calvin Phillips and shutting things up defensively instead and just sort of, you know, walking out with the 2-0 uh, win and, and and absorbing all that pressure from Nottingham Forest. That was an interesting wrinkle for Manchester City that we don't get to see too often. But it it's, you know, very telling for their experience as, you know, a multiple time league winner and now Champions League winner that... They're confident, no matter how the game goes, that you know they they can they can win it anyway, even if they are under a little bit of pressure and outside of their comfort zone. It's uh, something that I was not expecting from them. I thought they would maybe concede like one goal once they went down, because or once they went down to ten, because Nottingham Forest did do well to you know pin them back after that, but they didn't concede at all. So credit to them. All right, Javier, it's time. Still haven't come up with a name for it. Javier's fantasy picks. What are you looking at for this week, Javier? Or uh, or should I take over since I am now top of the Ghost Goal Podcast fan league? Am, yeah, am Alex, I, I feel am like I the you captain should... now. You're the captain now, Alex. What what do you have for us this week? No, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, I have uh, nothing right now. Also, I'm 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 good because I don't give away my secrets. How do you think I'm uh, top of the uh, league? You know, I don't well, give away I was going to say this week. Definitely, there's a lot of players that we should be thinking of getting rid of. Um, Chilwell, one of them. I know a lot of people at Chilwell, still 23% of people have Chilwell. I would get rid of him. Uh, he's not even guaranteed to start. You know, he, he seems to be... With the Malagusto red card, though, it's possible that, uh, you know, Chelsea start attacking a little bit more with him. So if you want to risk it, maybe keep him one more game week, see what happens. But Chelsea are uh, not good assets right now. The obvious move for for Chilwell uh, this week with Gusto, you know, suspended would be to have Dzassi move to to right back in the back four, have Silva and Colwell as the the two center backs, and then Chilwell play left back. So he may start, or he probably will start since Reese James yeah, isn't close to being start. back yet. So you know that that might be a reason to keep Chilwell for one more week if you have him. Um, but the other Chelsea assets, I'd get rid of Malagusto um, if you're going to play him. If not, just keep him deep buried on the bench uh, as your third player. It's not the end of the world. He's, if you got him for four mil, I'd probably keep him. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's a player who people, you know, 
just because he's a Chelsea player, having that guy from 4 million, he might get up to 4.5 mil this season. I'd keep him until he gets to that point. Uh, Nicholas Jackson, Whoops. I already got rid of him now. Yeah, I mean, Definitely I already got rid of Gusto. I got rid of Gusto after the red card. <laughs> ah, well, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know. I if, can't, I, I can't I mean, not if have you, him for three weeks or three games. Well, if you really needed to play your 4 million, you know, defender, Alex, then that's your fault, I guess. But... There's a few other players who, uh, you know, might be good to get rid of soon. I think Brian and Buemo, after such a hot start to the season, cooled off a little bit. Um, I'm looking at maybe getting rid of him. He's 6.9 mil right now. So I could make a tidy profit on him, get rid of him, and, and you know, go to someone like maybe a Ward Prowse soon. Um, he's, he's one who, he's only 6.2 mil, but I guarantee this guy is going to be close to 7 mil by the time the season ends because West Ham are fantastic at set pieces. He takes all of them and he's phenomenal at them. So get Ward Prowse in sooner rather than later. You won't regret it. Recommend him highly. Uh, the other one is uh, Luis Diaz. I I don't know what's, what's wrong with him. Um, you know, I thought that he was going to be getting some more uh, results, but Liverpool have a good, you know, run coming up. So I would bring him in right now. He's only 7.6 mil. I think he's going to start returning soon, um, and he's one that I would look at. What about Newcastle assets? They have uh, Burnley at home this weekend. I feel like, oh yeah, people need to be you know take take your pick of Isaac and Wilson. Uh, though Wilson say, does think, seem to be think, starting more often now. I was about to say I think Wilson's now kind of the starter, and he's he's still just you know scoring every single game. Um, take your pick of Botman, Shar. I think Trippier is probably a must-have. He was great last season. Um, he's it's got great a hat-trick of assists in that 8-0. So, yeah, <laughs> he single-handedly uh, got me to first place in the week, in the league this season. Absolutely. This I would bring in Trippier and, uh, you know, probably maybe one of Botman, Shar, Pope, you know, any of the, 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 the Newcastle backline. Maybe probably Byrne is the one who's maybe can get benched. So I might not bring in Byrne. But, yeah, any of those players are uh, are good to go. Um, and then if the Madison injury isn't serious, Madison's great. He's already gone up 0.4 mil. He's 7.5. He's 7.9 now. You know, I might look at Madison and, and bring him in soon because he's just a machine right now for Tottenham. Scoring goals, assisting, and he seems to be the metronome for everything good that Tottenham does right now. So I think they're gonna, without Madison, that team is going to be significantly worse. But when he plays, you know, he's he's the, the, the man on the pitch that, that gets the ball. So... He's another one I would look at, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a re- a week to get rid of some players. Alex, bring some new ones in, make your moves. Don't be don't be afraid to take a point hit here or there. It's it's fun, you know, all for fun. Yeah, let me uh, go back to Newcastle real quick because they did just score eight, and they are starting to look better offensively these last couple of games. I, I think a sneaky one that people need to consider is this uh, the Scottish attacking midfielder Elliot Anderson. He's played the last two Premier League games, the full 90 minutes in both games. Um, I believe he started at San Siro as well. He had an assist in the the Sheffield United game, and he's only 4.4 million. So if you're getting a starting attacking midfielder in Newcastle's team, and one that frankly I I think has been kind of slept on in terms of, you know, pure talent, people just will like look at his FIFA rating. I think he's like a 68 or something and think, oh, he's not that good, but you know. He passes the eye test so far, and he had an excellent preseason. So, I'm uh, I'm interested to see. I don't really have room for him in my midfield right now, but as you know, a low end 
like option that has high upside. Elliot Anderson, you can't go can't go wrong there. All right, let's close things up there. Javier, thank you for jumping on this one. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, slash X, you can do so at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and leave a rating and review. And if you're not already following or subscribed to the pod, please hit that subscribe button. All of that helps new listeners to find the pod, and we always appreciate it when you guys can help us grow this thing. Enjoy the games this weekend, and until next time, see you.